Hello and welcome to COVID Stories, a podcast series regarding leadership following the COVID-19 outbreak. I'm your host, Dallas Emerson, Director of Business Development at the IT Guys. Before we get started, these interviews were conducted during the COVID lockdown and were held over Microsoft Teams. Any sound quality issues are the result of social distancing that we're all too familiar with. If you're listening on our site, we're thrilled to have you, but you might find it easier to listen to COVID stories through iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Joining me today is Lindsay O'Leary, Executive Director of the American Society of Civil Engineers, Texas Section. How are you doing, Lindsay? Hey, Alice. It's great to be here. Thanks for asking me to join you, and thanks for reading that mouthful of an association name. Uh, it's always fun to, to say that we work with the American Society of Civil Engineers Texas section because it always uh, gives me a little bit of a tongue twister to work through. So. That's great. Okay, so just to start things off, and I'm asking pretty much everybody a similar question to start things off, is how did you know that something was going to have to change? Or when did you know that what we were hearing in the news wasn't just about kind of a bad flu season, but that this was going to be something bigger? That's a really great question. For us as an association, we had a big event with over 400 college students in the very beginning of March. And about a week before, we started hearing rumblings of potentially events shutting down and being postponed. Um, but there wasn't enough information available for us to make the decision to cancel our meeting a week before um, in early March. So we did proceed with the meeting. Um, we took as many precautions as possible to educate all of our attendees about good hygiene practices, so on and so forth. And we came back to the office the following week. We had a staff meeting and some of our other travel plans for later in March were being canceled. And that's when we knew, OK, there's a lot of events that are being canceled. Our travel plans to um, Washington, D.C., for example, for a legislative day at the Capitol um, were canceled in the middle of March. And so we decided as a staff team, there's just three of us, let's go ahead and be precautious and let's work from our respective homes. And then we advised all of our board members and our subsidiaries um, to also take similar precautions if they could. Um, we do consider civil engineering to be an essential service. So the position of our members is a little bit different than the position of our staff team. Um, so there, there's some nuances there. But. We knew in March, the very beginning of March, we needed to start looking at the situation very seriously and being concerned about our members' health and welfare. Yeah. And so how did that transition go? I mean, was it pretty smooth or was it uh, – and I guess how long did that take for everybody to kind of begin to get acclimated? Sure. So, you know, we were in our March, in our office in the beginning of March, myself and my two staff members, and we said mm – -hmm. Okay, let's go work from home. We all have been able to work remotely for various reasons, whether it be out for meeting somebody to do a repair at our homes or being out for an appointment. So we all have the capability to work remotely. We all have laptops. We can bring them home when we need to. So we said, let's go work from home. And then as we got further into it towards the end of March, um, and there were some more government mandated travel restrictions um, and shelter in place orders coming in places like where we are, Austin, Texas, we realized, OK, we really need to make sure that our work from home setups are comfortable and efficient. Um, we instituted a new policy where our staff team can reimburse their Internet bill um, and their cell phone bill. Uh, we had not previously done that before. And since we're a small team, we felt like that was the right thing to do just to help 
ease a little bit of the financial burden on our employees from working from home. Um, I even went to the office and picked up my chair, so I had better better posture for working from home. Well, I'm I'm really glad to hear that, uh, particularly about the the uh, internet and cell phone bill, because that's something that we're encouraging a lot of leaders to, at very least, consider or partial sub you know subsidy for their staff members. Uh, and so that's good to hear that you're kind of taking a lead on that one and making sure that. Uh, your staff are well taken care of during this time. So that's yeah. that's really good to hear. I think it's important that we let our team know that. Um, we let them know we would help, um, you know, cover these extra expenses at this time. Um, even personally at home, my electric bill is up more than 50%. I got a little notice from the electric company. My husband and I are both working from home, and so we're just here more. Um, but we're such a small staff team that we don't have these big corporate policies and emails that come out. So it was really great to tell our small staff team, our board members are here to support us, and these are the things we're going to do. It's just a small a small level of effort on our end in the big picture, but it means a lot to the individuals that we have working for us and that are always so dedicated to our team. Yeah, and I think it's something we're going to be seeing more of even after this crisis clears up. As I think people are becoming more and more acclimated to the idea of, well, maybe we can just work from home more regularly. I think we're going to Absolutely. see more of that, I, particularly in the uh, smaller organizations of, you know what, if it means that you can work uh, from home more simply, we're going to, we're going to do that. And so I know that your organization's IT infrastructure is completely cloud-based. Uh, do you think you could have been, you said that you had all mobile systems. Do you think you could have made this transition as simply if you were in a more traditional setup? <laughs> It certainly would have been a lot harder, um, thanks to the IT guys getting us um, in the 21st century and on a cloud-based system. I mean, we can access our documents from our laptops. We can also access them from our cell phones. That's been hugely helpful even before this work-from-home policy was implemented. Um, when we're at events and we can pull up information on our smartphones, that's been hugely helpful. In the past, we were working off of a tape drive several years ago, so having nobody in the office to change out our tape drive and do the backup, I mean, that certainly would have been just one more thing that we would have had to overcome. So I'm glad that, you know, our IT support has us on the right path for success and being able to pivot in this time of unique challenges. And during this time, is there a tool, an app, a service that you've leaned on more than than most or, you know, something that you look at like, okay, that aspect, that was the linchpin of our success? Um, you know, we are utilizing all of the software that's available for remote meetings. Um, we have an account with Zoom. Uh, we use Microsoft Teams. Um, so really technology is our friend right now. Even just calling somebody on your iPhone and doing a three-way call has been really helpful. Um, if it weren't for everybody having pretty high-speed Internet and having the programs available to do this, we would really be challenged. Um, we use Zoom all the time previous to this because um, we have committees of volunteers from all across the state of Texas. So we're familiar with Zoom meetings. And, in fact, we never really used the video feature of Zoom when we had our committee calls. Um we had done it a couple of times, but it wasn't regular practice. Now that people are social distancing, we are absolutely using the video feature all the time. We're all dressed very casually. Um, we've got cats and kids in the background. And I think it's just people embracing the ability to connect and not being worried about the superficial 
aspects that sometimes we were accustomed to when we were doing business face to face. I know. I I, uh, I sometimes regret that I don't have a cat that gets to interrupt my meetings or something like that. I think it's always it's always a fun surprise. Uh, so, in your opinion, or from your perspective, does the COVID crisis present more of a technological problem or a problem overcome with technology, or is it a people problem? Like, I guess maybe put a different way is are the problems posed by COVID more technological in nature or more people oriented in nature, obviously aside from the public health aspect? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of what we're seeing is the public health aspect and the risk to our safety. Um, But I think one of the things we're not discussing quite as much, but it is being discussed a little bit is the mental health issues and the ideas of us being separated, the fear and anxiety that go along with the unknown that we're dealing with right now. And, um, the uncertainty of when we'll be back to normal, is there going to be a normal? All of those questions are kind of scary, and we don't have a lot of data to answer them with. Um, so I think it's a really a people problem uh, on many levels, a human problem, and we are able to use technology to help us maintain some sense of normalcy and to help us continue to get important work done that does need to be done. I know there are a lot of people who can't work remotely, um, and who unfortunately are unemployed during this time. So I'm fortunate that we have the technology to allow us to do our jobs um, and continue to put forth support for whatever association you might work for. Um, so you feel like you're still accomplishing something. Um, sometimes it's hard when you look at the big picture to think about, does your day-to-day tasks really matter? Um, and they do. They really do, because all of our efforts are cumulative and add up to make our society what it is. Yes, yeah. It's a. I think we're too interconnected now to go without any anybody for too long. So that's a, that's a really good point. It's something I don't think enough people are talking about, particularly the mental health aspect of this. So for you personally, what's been the greatest management challenge you've had to face during this time? Um, you know, it's really hard because I think as a manager, whether you're doing it in person or remotely, you really have to be able to trust and to delegate, but then check in and verify. Um, You don't want to strike the balance um, of being, you don't want to be a micromanager, but you also don't want to check in and see what your team is doing or see if they need help. Um, So I think managing remotely requires more check-ins and it's a little bit more structured. Typically I could just go down the hall and visit with my staff members. I can ask them a question off the cuff and vice versa. I, I have an open door policy most of the time. Um, unless there's something really urgent that I need to focus on, I'll close my door. Um, so it's just a different type of management. And it's important, too, for our leaders to understand, you know, we're not just checking in on the task. Did you get this done? What's next on your list? You know, really asking your team, how are you doing? Are you OK? Um, ask about their spouse. Ask about their pets. And, you know, make sure that people are doing OK, because if you're kind of out there in the shadows crumbling and nobody's interacting with you, um, you're certainly not going to be productive and you're not going to feel like a valuable member of the team. Uh, so it's really important for us to think about really how people are doing. I mean, usually you would start an email with like, hey, I hope you're doing good. You know, happy Monday, happy Friday, whatever it might be. Uh, but this time we really need to pay attention to what those answers are in responses to those questions. How are you doing? Right. And that's one of the things I love about the association world is I think it's populated by and led by some of the most emotionally intelligent people I know. 
And I think that's one of the biggest tools that so many association leaders have is that ability to when you see a staff member walk in, you just immediately know oh, something's wrong. I need to go talk to Tim about this thing. Yeah. And being deprived of that, I know, has been very difficult. Uh, so it sounds like the, the, you've got the right idea of regular check-ins and making sure that how you how are you doing or how's it going is not just I think the term I've heard thrown around before is social pulp. It's not just social pulp you're yeah, throwing out. Yeah, it means something. Pulp. Right, yeah. yeah. You actually take a second to hear something other than fine. Uh, so I think that's good. And encouraging people to remember not just answer fine, to actually say how they're doing. Is, I think it's just so, so key. And you have to learn, you know, this goes back to even before social distancing and working remotely, is the personality cues and personality differences, like, I've got one staff member who uh, will tell you how she's doing in a split second, and she talks really fast, and she gets excited about things. And I have another staff member who he's, you know, having a great day, but he's just not quite as outspoken, and you have to give them time to respond. So just because maybe you're in a rush trying to find out how somebody is doing, it helps to take time and to, like, pay attention and to wait those awkward pauses out just so somebody really has a chance to say how they're doing. That's great. I love that. Wait those awkward pauses out. I think if there's anything I want to pull out of this, it's that. Yes, we have um, one mouth and two ears, and we're supposed to use them respectively. I love that. That's awesome. Okay, so for you, what has been, and this is kind of a two-part question, the easiest part of the transition to shelter in place and the hardest part about the transition to shelter in place? And this is for you personally and as the executive director. Okay, um, personally, I consider myself to be an extrovert. So I'm actually getting bad posture because all I'm doing is staring at Zoom meetings all day. <laughs> No, really, Zoom meeting is how I connect with my friends for coffee in the morning. We would usually meet for a run, but now we're doing things remotely um, for coffee. I'm doing Zoom for work meetings. I'm doing Zoom with my family and my husband's family for happy hours and on weekends to socialize with our friends. So the lack of social interaction is probably the hardest thing for me to overcome. Um, I do want to take a break from looking at the screen all the time, but now that's how I connect with people. So that on top of work is just, it's challenging. I'm typically the type of person I can go to my office and I can focus for a solid eight to nine hours in front of my desk. Go, go, go. Very little breaks because I love my job. But because I'm on my screen so much right now, it has made it a little bit harder for me to focus. And I think I'm a little bit sad because I don't get to see all the people I love and know from my coworkers to my volunteers to my family face to face. So that's certainly my personal challenge. Um, and then from an association standpoint, it's hard because we want to remain relevant and we want to offer service to our members. But our members are distracted right now, and that's understandable. So it's hard to know how much to push somebody who's volunteering their time um, and how much to step back and let them breathe and deal with things that are immediate priority, like the health and safety of their family versus having them help us do something like plan a conference six months from now. And, and this might be a, a really tough question. How do you find that happy balance or that happy medium? It's a lot of trial and error. Um, some of the trainings I've done uh, through um, TSAE have been really helpful for me in the role of the association management world. Um, it's really helpful to lean on your leadership volunteers 
to have a conversation with other level volunteers like committee chairs, for example, and let them have conversations about the work that's being done. Um, in my role as a manager of an association team, it's my job to manage my staff team and support the work of the board, for example. But I really need my board leaders to check in with the other volunteers. So it's really the optics and which direction the conversations come from. Um, in a nutshell, it's a volunteer to volunteer conversation or a staff to staff conversation. And sometimes we cross those lines depending on who needs help and what somebody can tolerate. Awesome. Okay. So if you could go back in time to late February, early March, you know, when you were talking about it, you had your event in early March, and I'm sure that wasn't uh, one of the outbreak centers, by the way. I want to make that clear to everybody. No, uh, it was not. We, we, were, um, we were with a bunch of civil engineering students racing concrete canoes or trying to race concrete canoes, but unfortunately the water conditions were not so great. Racing concrete canoes. Yeah. Uh, civil engineering is more exciting than I thought. Um, well, what I was going to say is if you could go back in time to when we first started getting those inklings about something weird is going on, what is the one thing that you would warn yourself about? If you could just get one message across to Lindsay a few months ago, what would you tell past Lindsay? Um, I hate to say it, um, but I really need to be more pessimistic. Um, I, I mentioned I consider myself to be an extrovert. I'm always very optimistic. Um, that's just my personality. For example, my nickname is LOL because my name is Lindsay O'Leary. So LOL are my initials in a way. Laugh out loud. So that's just one example of how optimistic I am and usually pretty bright and cheery. Um, but in a time like this with you know, the health and safety and welfare of our general public, of our members, of their loved ones on the line. We really need to take a more pessimistic approach as leaders. Um, and it's not that we need to be down um, or bring other people down with us, but we really have to look at realism and alternate plans. Um, also, from like a day to day basis, uh, my contract languages will be a little bit different going forward. Um, we will always have a force majeure clause and we will be looking at things like pandemics and is that incorporated into a meeting contract or a services contract. We're looking at something similar for our services when we're coming into a new client. So that's that's good to hear. And I hope it's something that a lot of association leaders will take to heart. You know, on the, the subject of pessimism or realism, however you want to phrase it, um, I think one of the things that we've I've heard a lot of uh, is people who say, I wish I had said something sooner, or I wish I hadn't been afraid of being wrong about this. Uh, do you think that going forward, particularly boards, which I know wield a lot of power over a lot of associations, are going to be more willing to hear um, negative projections? I think we're going to be different in the future. I think we will be more open to something that seems a little bit more negative, um, especially if it just happens to be more realistic. Again, I know we all want to be optimistic and hope for the best, and I certainly do hope that the best comes out of this. But in terms of leading a big group of people, um, making decisions that can change the outcome for a lot of people um, in terms of events or financial projections, we really have to have a couple different scenarios run um, and typically, I think the work of an association um, is always a full plate. I hate to add more to that plate, but I do think we have to be prepared to 
calculate different scenarios in the future. Seems like every your plan B on standby. Yeah, it seems like every association staff member I know wears at least seven or eight hats. So y'all do have a lot on your plate at any given moment. So you know you kind of touched on this. It's a given that your world is going to be different post COVID nineteen. Really, the whole world is going to be different. And you mentioned maybe changing your contract clauses a lot. Is there any other way that you see your world essentially permanently changing? When even when things go back to normal, absolutely. I kind of wear um, split the line here because I am a civil engineer by training, um, and now I work for an association that supports supports civil engineers. So I think of it kind of in two different pathways. I think about it in the association world, but I also think what will be different in the design and construction world for those that are practicing in civil engineering. Um, I think, for example. Um, the way that we transport people might change. You know, we might have permanent social distance requiring. We might always require some level of personal protective equipment or PPE. Um, when we design roadways or sidewalk spaces as civil engineers, we might just be thinking about doing it differently to help keep the population healthy and safe. Um, and then from an association world, I think we're really going to be looking at more policies on remote work um, and how our employees can do that effectively. Um, being in Austin, where we have a lot of congestion on the roadways, I know it's saving myself and my team members a lot of time in uh, not commuting that we can be at our desk here getting some important work done. So I think policies for remote work are certainly going to change for associations. Um, you know, if we can prove this model that we can work from home successfully, uh, maybe we'll do that more regularly. Maybe we'll downsize office space. Um, or maybe we'll adopt a co-working model where we only meet in person a couple of times a week and don't run an office space at all. Um, now, that, that would be a really big change and really push the envelope, but it's just one example of how things might be different going forward. And then I'm hearing that more and more, too, is that people have had the idea of we can work large or work remotely on a large scale, but never wanted to inflict the pain on themselves to test that. And now the pain is being inflicted from the outside. And it's in some ways they're looking at, well, we might as well see how it goes. Uh, so it's it's interesting that I keep hearing that come up of, you know, we're looking at this long term. Maybe we'll keep doing this long term. Absolutely. OK, so my last question for you uh, is for anyone out there who feels either completely out of their element or lost, you know, for you, it sounds like it's been, I don't want to say an easy transition, but a fairly manageable transition for those who feel like their world, you know, is teetering on the brink of collapse, who are in a leadership position. What advice would you offer them? What would you tell them? Hey, here's the first, here's where to put your foot, your foot first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, could probably talk about that for a while. Um, and I will mention that during this work from home pandemic situation, I did have an employee who's resigning um, simply because her spouse has another opportunity in another state. So they're going to be moving as a family unit. Um, everything's on great terms. She gave plenty of notice. Um, but it's got me thinking about interviewing people remotely. 
um, potentially onboarding people remotely. And as a leader, that is really scary. Um, it's uncharted territory. I'm sure for many people out there, would, they would say the same. Um, you know, I hear there's resources like Indeed has a blog on how to hire people remotely and look, interview remotely. So there's a lot of free information out there on the Internet that we can rely upon. But um, in terms of just staying on track and getting things done day to day that need to be done, um, I love making a task list. Um, it helps keep me centered. I have all these ideas popping up in my head. So I have a really big ongoing task list, but I break that down every day and I look at, okay, what am I going to get done today? What are my top three priorities today? Um, and then what are some other things that hopefully I'll get to? If not, they may flow to another day. So I like breaking down into the immediate measurable goals because then I personally have a sense of satisfaction. Um, and then maybe doing some forecasting um, with your board president, perhaps, and thinking about, okay, in the next three months, what do we absolutely need to get done or what could be tabled the next six months and the next year out? So looking at measurable tasks um, in terms of what can you do today, what can wait till tomorrow or next week, and then look at some big picture tasks. Okay, what's on our radar so that we're not, you know, being too siloed. But if you think about it all at once, um, it's what I call being a problem sponge. You just kind of sponge up the whole world's problems. This happens to me personally all the time. You know, I get upset about something at work and then something personal happens and then I watch the news and there's a sad story on the news and it just gets to you. So I'm being a problem sponge. So I'm really trying not to sponge up all the world's problems at once and taking it day by day. That's awesome. Uh, I, I That's another phrase I'm going to pull out of this one. Problem sponge. I absolutely love it. Don't be a problem sponge. I feel like everybody uh, during this time could use a little bit of that advice. Well, Lindsay, you know, I've kind of gotten through everything that I wanted uh, to talk about today. If there's anything else that you want to tell uh, the world about or if there's anything else that you want to talk about, now's your chance. Thanks, Dallas. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, share my feedback, my lessons learned, um, my little pearls of wisdom, take them for what they're worth. Um, I also appreciate the opportunity to have a team like your team, the IT guys, who is reaching out to us as a small staff team. Sometimes we get these service contracts where we're just the number. Um, I love feeling that we have that personal connection and that you guys care how we're doing. Um, it's just nice to reach out to people that you're working with because we want to work with people that we're friends with. You know, we don't want to just work with a name and a business card that we see once a year, perhaps. Um, so I really like this reminder of being separated, but yet being pulled together socially, even though we can't see people face to face. I feel like the world is learning a huge lesson in keeping those personal connections going um, no matter what. Well, thank you so much. And I want to make clear we didn't pay you to say that. So thank you so much. I've <laughs> not been endorsed or paid. This is not an advertisement. No, it's just I've got a couple of contractors that I really appreciate um, stopping by, service providers checking on us. Um, the other one I might mention is ImageNet. Um, they maintain our copier equipment at, the, at our office here in Austin. Um, and it's just so nice to have a face with a service because so often um, that's just not a thing anymore. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad that we can uh, provide that kind of service. Well, Lindsay, it's been awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Dallas. It's been lovely. Thanks again. Thank you for listening. I'm Dallas Emerson with the IT Guys, and this has been COVID Stories. 
I'd like to remind listeners that you have a COVID story and we want to hear it. Send me an email at dallas at itguysusa.com and let's set up a time to talk about your COVID story. Your story may be just the thing someone needs to hear. Thanks again.